Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. Hello and welcome to the Action Catalyst. This is Dan Moore. In this episode, Southwestern Consulting's Ron Alford interviews Jeremy Perkins, founder of Precision Medical Products, as he helps us understand how to clarify our vision. Hope you enjoy. Welcome, everybody. Action Catalyst. This is Ron Alford, and I am excited for our guest today. We have a friend of mine that I've just admired and, and respected for so many years. Jeremy Perkins is coming to us from Greater Sacramento. And uh, things he is bringing to this podcast today, I'm, I'm very excited about. So, Jeremy, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ron. If you don't mind, walk us through just from your, your beginning collegiate days to obviously what you did to work your way through school and then starting a company. And if you don't mind, just kind of walk through your bio a little bit. Yeah, so when I was 19 years old, um, freshman in college, I took a big leap and went and sold books door to door. In the hot summer heat of uh, of, <laughs> of Green Bay, Wisconsin, and uh, ended up selling for five summers. I was with Southwestern for a total of seven. Phenomenal experience. I'm so much of the way I think about selling today is is based on you know what I learned when I sold door to door, the, the cycle of selling and just communication skills, how I approach people, persistence. Like I learned a ton through the selling side, probably equally as much, if not more, on the managing, recruiting, and training side. I'd say. Just because when, when I ended up starting my company, it was second nature, like how to run. I was very confident with like how to run a company when I when I went to go start my company. It was all all things that really helped. So I, I sold with Southwestern, total of seven years, and then left. I did Edward Jones for about a year and a half. And in college, I always wanted to be a stockbroker. You know, I was in the took the finance classes, the business. I, I dreamed even when I was a Southwestern. I, I said I can't wait to be a stockbroker. And then um, I hated it. For me, it was did not fit my personality and you know what I wanted. And I had a lot of other good friends that were in the medical device industry, and they were really passionate about what they were doing. So it made me explore that that industry. I actually interviewed with 300 companies. I got told no by 296 of them. I got I got four interviews, and all four interviews uh, turned me down because I didn't have medical device experience. So. So after about a full year of interviewing, I finally got into the medical device industry, but then ended up that next year, top 10 sales rep in the whole nation out of 350 sales reps. And then ended up three years later, starting my own company in medical device. And then you know, fast forward till today, you know, 10 years later, we have the number one fastest growing company in Sacramento. Our company is worth over a hundred million dollars. We take care of over a hundred thousand patients a year, use our medical devices and we've been able to make a, a really big impact and it's, and it's something like we're really, really passionate about. It's funny because at the time, my wife begged me to not start the company. I don't know if you ever know that. Like, she's like, I don't know why you're going to do this. You've had a job that we make really good money. It's secure. Like we, we live really good lives. And I worked really, really hard those first two years. That third year, I was probably only working like 25 hours a week. I had it on autopilot. All my doctors were prescribing. But what I told her, I didn't want to look back at my life and know that I didn't like give it a run to see what I was capable of doing. I always want to start my own company. I, I want to look back and say, hey, you know what? For better or worse, whether I was successful or not, I gave it a run and really tried. 
there's a, a quote I, I have it hanging up in my room. It's uh, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step and just making that decision. But man, we, we risked everything. We had, I put every dime I had in my bank account. I put all that into medical devices. My garage was full of medical equipment. Yeah, we risked it all. What a powerful story, man, about feeling fear and acting in spite of it. Walk us through, man. I'm, I'm always intrigued by when you study high achievers and people that influence so many people, you know, the measure of a human is, is defined a lot of way, a lot of times how they deal with adversity, like not who they are in shiny times when everything's just coming to them, but who they are when things are, when they're getting kind of kicking the teeth. And, uh, you have to have had some serious setbacks, roadblocks. I mean, just valleys over these years and you push through them. Can you walk us through maybe an example of, of a time where you've gotten kind of rocked and how you got through it? Yeah. I mean, so in the very beginning, the very first year, um, so we actually started our company out with a premise that like, you know, we already worked with orthopedic surgeons and there was so much need for other products like bracing, cold therapy. Our number one product at the time was, was cold therapy unit. And uh, Medicare came out four months into us starting our company. And they said that the code for cold therapy, the reimbursement code is going to get cut. And they, they give you a 90 day warning. So and what we do, it's, you know, we're getting prescriptions from surgeons and then we get the insurance companies to reimburse us for the products. Well, when a code gets cut, it basically means they aren't going to pay for it anymore. Our number one product was now gone. And uh, we had to go out there and look really quickly for new products and reinvent ourselves like right out of the gate that first year. I think it's for, probably important for any entrepreneurs, like the ability to pivot. You know, we're doing that across the board. Even with our company, we're making little pivots and changes. Yeah. Isn't it funny how the things that hit us, you know, the, the shifts we are forced to make oftentimes like, oh, that, that ended up being great. How do you avoid complacency? I, I love, you know, in a world where there's always more and sometimes you can stay up at night and, and, and never be content. Like, how do you ride that fine line of being content and joyful with what you have? And yet at the same time, you know, not being complacent, having this, this pursuit that says, man, what's possible? I think I'm, I'm hardwired a little bit. Maybe my, maybe my parents instilled it into me. I don't know. Like even growing up playing sports, I always think about it. I'm like, is that just something like who I am? Like I don't spend a lot of time like convincing myself to be motivated. Like I, I wake up pretty motivated most days. Yeah. I don't know if it goes back to like sports. Like I was always a little kid on the field, you know, and like with basketball, I played, played point guard. <laughs> like yeah, I didn't have the athletic ability, but it was like, I had to try really hard, but I, I learned over time that if I try really hard, I can beat most. It, it created this competitive nature. I feel like I've just been um, highly motivated. Um, what our company does in revenue right now, we do that in one quarter, what we used to do in one year. So we compress all those goals into 12 weeks and we just do a 12 week sprint and do as much as we can. And then at week 13, we pause, shared ideas. How do we get better? What do we need to keep doing? What do we need to stop doing? What do we need to start doing? Kind of go through those exercises. And uh, we just, we keep revamping. But I, I do that even personally too. It's like, how can, um, you know, how can be a better husband? How can be a better dad? For me, like traveling is really important. I, I like to travel. It, it, it gets me energized in life. You know, do I have any traveling goals in the next three months or six months? And just setting those goals kind of inspires me. You know, I, I set a goal to buy a house, a new house. I gave myself certain numbers. If I hit them, like I kind of like that gamification, making it fun. And that, that motivates me. Well, I hope every one of our listeners right now is not thinking, well, I'm different because I'm X, Y, Z. Like what you just said applies to all of us. For you to, to stoke that fire, for you to keep yourself lit up about whether it's the, the new house or the trip you want to take. But you constantly having that fun game, I think it keeps you smiling, it keeps you joyful, but it also keeps you hungry. 
how do you get started? Like, well, how do you start your day, if you don't mind? Just in terms of, are there one or two habits you have that are just no matter where you're at that get your day started right? Yeah, so I listen to these morning routines and these YouTube videos on people's insane morning routine. I think The Rock wakes up like at 4 a.m. He's working out by 4.30. He's by 6 a.m. He's already had breakfast and done a full, you know. So I built my whole company from pretty much, like I'd say, 9 p.m. to like 1 in the morning. Like I'm, I'm just a night person. I can do tons of emails, business plans. Like my brain really works well at nighttime. I'm not, I'm not necessarily a morning person. I'm not going to sit here and be like, I wake up at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. When I was doing sales and I would get up earlier some days when I had to travel, but there's three things I really do. Sunday nights, I set up my week, right? So I'll look at where I'm going to be the whole week, what I got to get done. I'll kind of prep for that Sunday night, make sure if there's any big things like plane flights or just basically taking the time to mentally like look at my week and, and how that's all laid out. I also on Sunday night, I'll have everything ready to go. So if I'm going to work out like it, sometimes I work out at the end of the day, like at four or 5 PM, I'll have my gym bag already in my car. I'll have my dress clothes laid out for the day. So when I wake up, it's like I put on the dress clothes, I hit the car and I'm kind of like, I have that momentum going for the day. You know, the Sunday night thing definitely works. I also don't do a lot of preparation in the morning stuff. I feel like I just do that prep the night before. And I just like to, I like to get up and just, and just jam. I do spend more time at nighttime. Like I, I'm not a big Netflix movie person. Some people are, but I'll, I'll spend a lot of time at nighttime, like reading, listening to podcasts, watching YouTube videos, learning different things on medical products, researching, putting together business plans. Like I really enjoy, my wife goes better on 9 p.m. every night. So from like 9.30 to like midnight, I have like a lot of time that I get to research and read and all that. And that's kind of like, I've come up with a lot of really good ideas just for our business and stuff at that time. Anybody that works with us always jokes, like they'll wake up in the morning and they'll get like 10, 15 emails from me that they're all like kind of late. So I don't know if I've got the strongest morning routine, but my night routine is pretty money. I get stuff done at night. When I do wake up at 7 a.m., it's like, boom, I'm, I'm going and jamming. Yeah. Well, you hit it perfect. There's no one way to get there. Um, and by the way, technically 1230 AM is the morning. So you do have a pretty good morning. <laughs> Maybe my, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's 1 AM. It's just a little different for everybody else. But One of the most freeing things I ever heard in my life, when I heard that Jeff Bezos doesn't set an alarm and he's not like necessarily a morning person in, in his first hour of his day, he, like if you read about it, he says he putters. He just kind of putters the first hour, hangs out. He's like not in a rush. He doesn't start his first meeting till 10 AM. When he does start, if you read about him, it's like right when 10 a.m. hits, every meeting's like boom, 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 boom. And it's just like a sprint, you know, till like whenever it is, five or six, whenever he finishes. So, yeah, love that. You know, whether we're studying Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Bezos, you know, the, these wealthy, financially wealthy people, or people in ministry, people in musicians, you know, any, any walk of life, I think the best of the best just embrace the routines. And, and have a way of not getting into a rut with it. You know, routines are positive until they become a rut and then it gets monotonous. So brother, I, I knew this time would fly, man. I, I, uh, but just thanks for your heart. Thanks for being you and bringing it strong. Yeah, man. Hopefully that helped. Can, can I end with one idea real quick? We'd love it, please. Yeah. So just kind of like when you're talking about routine through my CEO group, I, I did a program, well, I did a year at Harvard and then three years at MIT. So that's four years of then these like CEO programs. And probably the number one thing I learned that, that four years is um, out there, they call it the circle of life, like the eight things, you know, there's like, you know, family, business, finances, health, you keep, you know, keep going around that. So 
I try and take it account for that every, you know, once a quarter, you know, that week 13, really like, how am I doing with family? How am I doing with, you know, with the kids? How am I doing with my wife? How, how am I doing business and finance? I think it's so important. People forget to just be well-rounded because I've, I've actually had the privilege of meeting a bunch of billionaires through this program. And it's actually, you know, sometimes it's really inspiring to meet them and sometimes it's not. Sometimes like they're divorced. They don't treat people kindly. I feel like they got very little spirituality in them. And like, that was like pretty uninspiring, you know, like, and that's the thing you can sometimes focus so much on one thing that you become really, really good at business, but then you're a horrible person. You're not like in good shape. And I just want to encourage everybody, you know, kind of closing out, like take an account of like your, all the different areas of your life and make sure you're just like, you know, once a quarter, every three months is that, that you are staying in good shape and that you're, you know, you're spending time with your family and spend time with your, your loved ones and stuff. Cause it's, I think it's really easy to get out of balance if you do that for years and years. And then, you know, you, you win the battle and you lose the war kind of thing in life. So that's it, man. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, that is a brilliant ending point. So appreciate you lots, man. Thanks for being here with us, Jeremy. All right, buddy. Take care. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.